0: Heavenly Father, today it's fun to finish up a sermon series as we focus on a promise. And so as we read about your promise to us in the Bible, as we think about who you are, may we understand you and your will for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I grew up on a farm. In fact, I have a picture of it for you. This is the Smith family farm in Greenville, Tennessee, northeast Tennessee. You can see the little house. Kind of as the road turns to the right, you can see the house there next to the red barn. Oh, I had so much fun on this farm. We rented our house for $400 a month for 10 years. You can't find a house to rent for $400 in America right now. $400 a month, 10 years. And uh, so many memories on this farm. We rented about an acre with the house and there was a farmer, his name was Mr. Miser, he rented all the land around it. So he had potatoes and he had corn, he grew tobacco, he took care of the, the barns, I mean I had hay forts in there, it was fantastic. And he had lots of animals too. He had chickens and guinea fowl, he had horses and he had hogs, have you ever seen a hog? This guy shakes his head, no, dude, you don't want to be around him. Those things are nasty, man, they're, they're scary. And the, one of my favorite animals that he had were cows, lots of cows. I got to be out there petting them. Look at this, look at these guys, cute little bovines. And uh, you can see how redneck I was. <laughs> I, those are camo pants, a striped shirt, and a valvoline hat. You can't get any more redneck than that. And that hat, that hat came from my dad changing the oil on our cars and there was a rebate. You could you buy five quarts of oil and then you had to cut out a part of the box and you take it back to AutoZone with your name and address and I think $1.50 and they send you a Valvoline hat. Well, there you go, that's where that came from. <laughs> well, these cows were so cool. I would chase them, they loved that, and I'd pet them. It was just a cool experience with these cows. And when my dad would mow the yard, my sister and I would get my little orange and yellow wheelbarrow, a little plastic wheelbarrow, and we would take some of the grass clippings and put it in the wheelbarrow, and we'd take it over to the fence. Here's a picture of it. It's kind of hard to see. Ah, there we are at the fence in the background, just because I want to tell you this story. You see that tree to the far right top corner of of the, the screen, that's a cherry tree, my dad took uh, little two-by-fours about 18 inches long, and he, he nailed them into the tree as a ladder to go to the top so he could hang a, a rope. It was not OSHA-approved, guys. He, he's climbing this rickety little ladder, and he hung a rope. We hung a tire there. It was the best tire swing ever. Anyway, these, these cows, they would, they would love it when we'd take the grass, and we'd come over, we'd throw it over the fence, and they would, they'd come running through the field because they knew that the grass was there. And it's interesting that cows and humans have a trait that is exactly the same. It's called the grass is greener on the other side phenomenon. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen a picture like this? You've seen it. Cows, horses, you name the animal, they'll come up to a fence and they'll risk blinding themselves as they stick their heads through the fence so that they can get to the grass on the other side. They, they lean into those sharp barbs that are poking into their chest so that they can get to the grass. They yearn for what's on the other side. They, they long for whatever's over there. They just want that green grass so badly. Ever since humans... We're banished from the Garden of Eden. We've been longing to be back in that perfect relationship with God. We've yearned for it. We've been dreaming about what it's like on the other side. The grass is greener side. The promised side. And so long ago, God's promised for us what it looks like. In fact, as Jesus, he washes the disciples' feet. And, and they, they love this intimate time with him. And then he predicts his death soon coming and they're instantly heartbroken as their friend, their savior, their Jesus is going to die and be taken away from them. And as Jesus sees their heartbreak, he says these words. It's a promise to them and it's a promise to you and I. Here's what he says in John chapter 14. He says these words. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Forest Lake Church. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, if that were not so. Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? He keeps going, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. It's a promise. It's not just a hopeful thinking or a wish. He promises, he says, I'm coming back. You can count on it. You can bank on it. He pinky swears with all of humanity. One of those spit swears, you know, you, I don't do that. That's gross. I've seen it on TV. You know, but but picky swear. It's a promise. You can count on it. He will come back. I want to take you to this description of this promise. But in order to get there, we have to go to a great judgment scene in the Bible. It's different than the judgment scene last week. Because last week we talked about your judgment. This is a different one because God is the one that is being judged. This morning, I've got Vince. He's going to bring up a, a, a poster board for me here so we can do some drawing Um, This is one of my all-time favorite Bible studies. I do this all the time, and I love doing this one. Now, I uh, was gonna do a whiteboard, but you can't really find um, dry erase markers that are fat so you could see them. And so my incredible wife drove all around town trying to find these fatty markers. These are Sharpies, so I couldn't use a dry erase board because otherwise I'd be in trouble. Church budget just went up because Pastor Matt's ruining whiteboards. All right, so here's the timeline. The timeline of Earth's history goes like this, and we got it on the screen, you can see it here. Okay. So there's the beginning of time, and it comes over to here, that's the Earth's timeline. This is the beginning of time. This is where Earth began some 6,000 years ago. This is the point where the Trinity gets together and they say, hmm, what should we create? Light, and land, and birds, and giraffes, and all that. This is where it happened. This is creation. My boys and I were, were reading the blue Bible story books. We read those at nights. we just started this last summer, and it's all about creation, so we're going through all this stuff. Okay, so you come along here, down the timeline of Earth's history, and you get to Noah's Ark. There it is, you got it? You can tell I'm an artist for like a first (laughs) scrayer Somebody in first service came up and they said, Pastor Matt, I learned something in first service. I said, oh really, what'd you learn? And he said, this was Pastor Tim, by the way, and he said, I realized that Noah's Ark was a sailboat. It is in this run. Okay, still in the Old Testament, moving along. Um, what, are, what are some Old Testament stories? What do we got? You guys don't read your Bibles? J- Jonah? That's an easy one. Ah, Good one. Any, anything else? Dan- Thank you, somebody. I was hoping somebody would say this. All right, Daniel? It looks like a flower, doesn't it? It's okay. Okay. Enough of the Old Testament. So then we get to this uh, unbelievable moment in Earth's history. You've seen that before, right? What's crazy is that our sense of time, uh, no matter if you're an atheist or an agnostic, whatever it is, it all depends on Jesus. Because you get to this place that before the cross, before Christ, and after death or um, what i've heard i think the newer way of saying it is bce before the christian era and then the christian era so all of time shifts because of jesus whether you believe in him or not it's kind of cool okay so then at some point along this timeline let's make it a little bit longer at some point in this timeline you're born there you are there you are you you need to work out And you're born, and we're caught in between two advents because this is the first time that Jesus came to earth, right? And we're waiting for this moment here, which is the second time that he comes to earth. We're waiting for that second coming. When he comes, there are four groups of people. There are the, the group of people that are righteous. that means they love Jesus, but they've already died. You know many of those. My grandparents, uh, I love them to death. I will see them in heaven, but they're no longer alive. Um, So the righteous that are dead, the righteous that are alive, that's you and I that love Jesus. The Bible says, um, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet him in in the air. That's the two people, right? Here's the other two. The unrighteous, those that didn't love Jesus, that have already died, they stay dead. And then the unrighteous that are alive... Here's what happens as Jesus comes in the cloud to take people home, to live with him forever. They say, I don't want to be with you. You killed my mom. You brought COVID. I got divorced because of you. You've done nothing good for me. I don't want to be with you. The Bible says that that group of people calls for the mountains and the rocks to fall on them because they would rather die than to be with Jesus. I don't understand that, but that's how it is. And at this time, There are groups of people, those that love Jesus, are now in heaven, and those that didn't love Jesus are dead. And it's at this point that we pick up our story in Revelation chapter 20. Here's what happens. We'll put it up on the screen for you. Here's what it says. Here's what it says. John, he's in vision, he says, I saw an angel... Coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain, he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who's the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years okay in our timeline here you got the second coming you got the people in heaven you got people that have died and you get this thing called the millennium now millennium is not the millennium falcon i know you guys are thinking you're wanting to go to disney world and ride that new whatever oh that's not that's not star wars they, they got some good star wars Um uh, millennium is latin i don't know latin but i know what millennium means it's two words million annum a thousand years got it one thousand years Years. John's talking about it. He says that, that, that Satan is bound for a 1,000 years. Now, in prophecy, you've got things that are literal and some are figurative. Do you think he, this angel comes down and he has literal keys? Do you think he has literal keys? OK, good. I'm glad you're good Adventist. Do you think he has a literal chain, like a stainless steel chain that he went to Home Depot and got this? No, it's all figurative. What about the abyss? Is it this giant hole in the ground that goes down and it has this steel door that swings down and he puts a padlock on it? Is it real? No. It's all figurative. See, Satan loves to hurt God and the only way he can hurt God is if he hurts the people that God loves the most and that's you and me. And if there's no one alive on the earth because the people that love Jesus are in heaven and the ones that didn't love him are dead, then he is in a living hell because there's nothing he can do to get at God. And so for a thousand years, he's here on earth while the books are opened in heaven. Here's how Revelation 20 verse 4 says, it says this, here, there it is, John says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. Here's the judgment scene. We talked about it last week. This is a different one. You and I aren't on trial, God's on trial. And all the universe, all the cosmos, they look and they, they look at this scene and they ask one question, is God fair? The people that are in heaven right now, should they be there? The people that have died on earth, should they be in heaven? And they ask this question, has God done everything possible to save people into his kingdom? And at the end of the day, we see that God is just and righteous, that he has all authority, yet he still uses grace. And then the most unbelievable scene happens at the end of this thousand years. And I don't know why Hollywood producers have not produced this movie because it's the great end of sin. It's when sin is destroyed forever and ever and ever, gone forever. I I mean, it's the the climax of this great controversy between Christ and Satan. It's the battle of Armageddon, and I don't know why we don't have a movie on it. And you might be thinking, there is a movie called Armageddon. I've watched it, yep, Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck. I cried in the movie. Don't judge me, y'all. Go watch it first, and then you can decide if you can judge me. But it's at, the, it's at the end of the millennium that you see this incredible scene. So, let's, let's see, should we just go to the verse? Let's go to the verse. Revelation 20, jumping through a few verses, verse 7, it says this. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. Pause for a second there. His prison is figurative. His prison is that no one is there, which means that if he's released from the prison, that means those people that didn't love Jesus are now resurrected again and he goes out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Jump again here. Next verse says, they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. So here's the scene, thousand years is over. God is justified throughout the whole universe. Everybody says he's righteous, he did everything he could. So the holy city with you and me in it comes down to earth to start a brand new earth here, like a garden of Eden again, relationship with God right next to us like it used to be. And as this city with us in it is coming down, Satan has all these people that are resurrected and he says, guys, it's not fair. You should be in there too. I've been there before. It's beautiful, it's wonderful. And it's not fair that God won't let you in there. Didn't he hurt your mom? Didn't he kill your grandma? Didn't he bring on COVID? Isn't that why you have chemotherapy? Like He he deceives all these people again and they say, let's go take the city. And it's at that point that fire comes from heaven and it consumes the people and the devil, and sin. And I pause here for a moment because I can't help but just defend God's character. I mean, it sounds kind of angry, fire coming down from heaven and burning people and destroying them. It sounds like vengeance, It sounds like hatred, yet the Bible says the wages of sin is? And even for the devil, who's a supernatural being, the natural consequences of going against God's will, ends up in death when f- sin is finally destroyed. And as the dust settles, John sees a vision of what the greener side looks like, of what the promised side looks like. And if you've got your Bibles this morning, I invite you just to open them to, to look at this last passage. It's in Revelation chapter 21. It might be the next to last page in your Bible. It's uh, the, the next to the last chapter of the Bible. This is how the story ends. This is it. In fact, my Bible has quite a uh, worn out page here. And if you want, you can come up and see me afterwards and I'll show you my page here. Uh, this page is, is a well-used page because every graveside service I've ever done at a funeral, I've read from this passage because as people are weeping and mourning, they need to see what's on the other side, what's the greener side. And it's in Revelation 21 that you read this. The last, one of the last times I used this passage was at a funeral for my wife's grandpa. He's in North Georgia and uh, his name is Louis Stout. What a great guy. He served all over in, in our denomination. And at his funeral in North Georgia, we, we took his body in the casket, put it in the hearse, and we headed to the cemetery. And as we were heading that way, the black clouds were coming. There was rain coming. We were, we were trying to hurry, so we took the casket and we hustled it down to the graveside, and put it on those little rollers so you can lower it down into the vault. And we stood around it, and I stood kind of at the head of the casket, and, and I got to read this passage. But the rain came. I'm standing there, my back, the backs of my legs are all wet because it's pouring rain. That little canvas tent from the funeral home, it's soaking wet. It's got so soaking wet that water started coming through the canvas tent and dripped right here on my Bible mixed with my own tears. There's wrinkles here. But it's in those moments of sadness that you have to look towards the greener side, the promised side. Here's what it says, here's what it looks like. Uh, Revelation 21 verse one, it says this. John says, then I, saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea." Back in those days, the sea was terrifying. I mean, how many times did Paul get shipwrecked? And they're looking here, Here's you go to the ocean, you're going to die. Plus, they had these mythological uh, gods that they would think about. Tiamat and Marduk, the god of chaos and the god of, of order, and they had this battle in the sea. And so these guys would think, man, I don't want to go out in the sea. And he says, there's no longer any sea. Verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Isn't that what this is all about? The time beyond the second coming, a time when sin no longer exists, a time when sin is vanquished forever. It's the greener side, it's the promised side, it's the side where we get to live face to face with God once again. God knew that he had to have a plan, a plan of redemption way back when, to put himself in the position to be our intercessor in order to give us the pardon for our sins in order to give us the promise where there'd be no more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more Satan, and no more sin. Two Fridays ago, I got an email at about 11.15 a.m. from somebody I'd never met in my whole life. They said, Pastor Matt, my name is so-and-so. When I was a little baby, I got baptized or sprinkled, but I don't really remember that. And I've been walking with God for a while now, and I want to take the next steps of being baptized. And can I get baptized tomorrow? I love baptisms, but I think it's really important for people to understand the commitment that they're making. And so I said, hey, this is so cool. I'm so proud of you for this decision. It's the best decision you can ever make. Let's meet next week to talk about these next steps with Jesus. And so on Wednesday night, I'm here at my office about 6.30 p.m., kind of waiting. Didn't know who it was, didn't know what they looked like, didn't know how old she was. And, and this beautiful young couple, two 18-year-olds, girl and boy, they've been dating for three years. They come strolling up to the church, and I welcome them in, and we sit down, and I start hearing their stories. The young man, he's, he's uh, 18 years old, he, he's, he's, a, he's in the army, he's up at Fort Campbell, and uh, he's telling me a story. He says, hey, you know, I, I grew up Adventist with my family. We bounced around Adventist churches for a while. At one point, this was his home church. But her story is way more interesting. She says, so my dad is kind of a surface-level Baptist. He doesn't really do anything with God, but he claims his name. But my mom is Cuban, and she is heavily into Santeria. I hear a collective moan. This girl looks at me, and she says, do you know what Santeria is? And I'm like, ah, not, not really. And she says, it is a it's a very, it's a religion, if you will, that's heavily into spiritualism where there's spirits everywhere and you're communicating with them and they're communicating with you. It's filled with rituals and even seances and these weird rituals. And and she began to describe some of these things. She said at one point, Uh, My family has forced me to participate in this stuff. My mom, my grandma, my aunts. And this ritual, she said, at one point, they they had me dress up in a white dress representing purity, and and they, they took me into this room, and then everybody left, and I was supposed to take all my clothes off and cover myself in meat. And I'm thinking, is this Lady Gaga? My eyes are getting big. She says that this one ritual that she's being forced into, she's standing there at the doorway of the room, And she can't breathe. And so her her, her auntie is there and her auntie says, oh, I know what's wrong with you. I can see a spirit wrapped around you, squeezing you. That's why you can't breathe. Her other auntie says, oh, I can't see the spirit, but I can hear her. She's talking to me. She's talking about you. And as I'm hearing this story about this girl, it makes me think we are on the devil's turf. This is his domain. He does what he wants, he ruins lives, he ruins marriages, he ruins bodies. He does whatever he can to get back at God. And with all of that, this young 18 year old girl, she says, my mom knows that I'm interested in Christianity and she's told me that if I become a Christian she will kick me out of the house. And yet with all of that, she wants to get baptized and take a stand because she knows the promise. She knows the greener side. She's read the end of the book. She knows who wins in the end. And it won't be long. He's coming soon. I can't wait for the day where there'll be no more death and no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain. And it's on that day that the promise becomes a reality and forever and evermore we get to live with Jesus.